Amen. We are First Pres, huh? I love that video. I love the descriptions that you all give of our church as we are the body of Christ gathered together. And I love this Labor Day Sunday like we do on Memorial Weekend and also the Sunday after Christmas. We gather together as one body in Christ's name. Even though most Sundays we have three different worship services, we're still one church and one family. And together we get to celebrate that. We're going to have a lunch after the service in the Great Hall, an opportunity for us to fellowship and get to know one another better. And you may have noticed that the first of the service or in the middle, I, I kind of asked, what was your favorite movie? Uh, my favorite movie is actually Chariots of Fire. Raise your hand if you've seen Chariots of Fire. Anybody? Okay. If you didn't raise your hand, you need to go get it right now. No, just kidding. <laughs> After the service, go get it. Uh, it's in the library. It's such a good movie, and, it, and it's, uh, it'll change your world. It, it's such an amazing movie because it's this true story about Eric Little, the Scottish Christian runner who ran in the 1924 Olympics. That's my favorite movie. But it's not the first movie I ever saw in the movie theaters. Do you remember the first movie you saw in the movie theaters? Now, I'm not talking about an animation, a Disney film, which were great movies. I saw a lot of animation movies when I was a kid. But the first movie I remember seeing with actual adult actors and, and scenes. With, well, my first movie was Star Wars, Episode Four: New Hope. Raise your hand if you remember Star Wars, Episode Four: New Hope. Seen that? Man. When it came out, it, it broke every record at the box office. I mean, all of a sudden, it had all these great little figurines. And I remember going with my father to see Star Wars, and I was mesmerized by the special effects of that movie. It was, it was incredible. In fact, one of the more pointed scenes I remember in that movie is when Luke Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi decide to go to a cantina. They're going to try and find someone who's going to fly them and take them off the planet. Now, before they meet Han Solo and Chewbacca, who eventually take them off, Luke Skywalker goes up to the bar, and he orders a drink, and... And uh, in the midst of his uh, sitting up there, this, this guy, real grizzly-looking guy, gross-looking guy, gets in his face, and he says, hey, my friend doesn't like you. And Luke looks at him and says, well, sorry, and kind of dismisses the guy. And then he gets right in his face again, this ugly, gross-looking guy gets in his face and says, I don't like you either. You just watch yourself. We're wanted men. I have the death sentence on 12 systems. Luke dismissively replies, oh, I'll be careful. And then the guy grabs him and looks Luke right in the eye and says, you'll be dead. And then Obi-Wan Kenobi, played by Alec Guinness at the time, he must have been 70 years old, gets in and smoothly says, hey, friend, you know, this little little one is not worth the effort. Come, let me get you something. Then the gross guy, uh, perturbed that Luke and Obi-Wan are not taking him seriously, throw Luke Skywalker away from the bar, and he pulls out his blaster because he's about to shoot Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then Alec Guinness, Obi-Wan Kenobi, with cat-like reflexes, pulls out his lightsaber and cuts the guy's arm off. And then they show you the amputated arm from elbow to hand. They show that to you. Now, I had never seen an amputated body part before because they don't show that in Bambi and Cinderella, right? I'm sitting there in shock going, wow, dad, did you see that? You ever seen an amputated body part before? It's lifeless, isn't it? It was designed to do so many great things, but separated from the body, It's lifeless. It's unable to function. It's unable to do and be all that it was designed to be and do. You know, there are a lot of people in our community who would say that they're Christian, but currently they are disconnected from the body of Christ, the church. Disconnected from the church where they become like that amputated body part in Star Wars. Unable to function and do all that they were really designed to do and to be. When we're disconnected from the body of Christ, we aren't functioning the way we were created to function. 
While I was in Dallas at the Eco Conference that many of our elders went to, uh, I had an opportunity to connect with one of my old friends from my Price Waterhouse days when I was a consultant. And he and I uh, used to lead a Bible study in our office, in our Dallas office. He's a great guy, godly man, loves the Lord, very authentic person. And as we were connecting, he was telling me that he was still struggling to find a church home. You know, he had been in a, two different churches while he's been in Dallas, two churches previously, but after some frustrating experiences, he and his wife have not been able to reconnect with the church, and he was just sharing, with that, sharing that with me, and I thought to myself, man, what a shame. I mean, here's a guy with some incredible teaching gifts. He, he knows the Bible really well. He's got some great shepherding gifts. He's a great leader, and yet he's disconnected from the body of Christ, and he's not able to be all that he was designed to be or able to do all that he was designed to do. And the body of Christ in Dallas is missing out without my friend's gifts. But he shared with me that after two very frustrating experiences at different churches, they were reticent to get plugged into a church again. Now, as we all know, there's no perfect church, right? And we've got a great video with some great people, but the fact is we're not a perfect church because we're sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We're all sinners. We're all in need of God's grace, and so there is no perfect church because churches are filled with sinners. The church is not the steeple. It's the people, and we're all sinful people, selfish to the core. We need the Holy Spirit to do a work in our lives so that we might become more like Christ, but there are going to be times when we fail to act like Christ. There are going to be times when we fail to be and to do all that we were designed to do and be, and so as a church body, we are sinners. There's no perfect church. And so after one, two, three, or four, maybe five bad church experiences, does that mean we should try to disconnect from the church body? Not at all. I mean, when you try to connect with a group of sinners, what do you expect to receive except some frustrations, at least from time to time? Sure, my friend in Dallas might go to worship every now and then, but they're not really connected to the body of Christ, the church. And so his spiritual gifts of teaching, shepherding, administration, and leadership are being buried in the ground right now. Are you connected to the body of Christ today? I don't mean to go to worship. I mean, obviously, you're here this morning, which is great. I mean, are you connected to a small group of Christians where you can share your life together and grow together? Whether that be a Sunday school class or a Bible study or a triad. A triad is a same-gender group of three or four people. And just a real quick tip on small groups and triads and Sunday school classes, the smaller the group, the more active the conversation, the more active you have to participate. If I'm in a co-ed small group of 12, which is great, it's easy for me to sit back and let the other 11 people talk. But if I'm in a same gender group of three or four, I have to participate in the conversation. The question is inevitably going to come my way. And as I share and as others share, the level of intimacy grows. The authenticity rises. The opportunity for spiritual transformation takes place. All small groups are good, but the more intimate the group, the more intimate the fellowship, the more intimate the sharing, the greater the transformation. If you'd like to be in a triad and you'd like to be in a same-gender small group, talk to Murray after the service. You can talk to Sherry Lovato, our women's director, and she can help you find a place to plug in. Now, if you are connected, maybe you're in a Sunday school class or a midweek small group or a Bible study or a triad, do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Do you know how God has uniquely gifted you to contribute to the body of Christ, His church? If you feel that you're connected, if you know what your spiritual gifts are, are you using your gifts 
and contributing the work of God's kingdom here at First Pres. As we continue our sermon series on the core four strategy of our church, worship, grow, connect, and serve, today we're looking at connect. In our text this morning, the Apostle Paul lets us know that God has uniquely gifted each one of us, and if we want to be all that God has designed us to be, we need to connect to the body, we need to clarify what our spiritual gifts are, and we need to contribute to the body of Christ by using our gifts in ministry. Let's say that together. We need to connect, clarify, and contribute. Connect clarify, and contribute. To see exactly how God is calling us to connect, clarify, and contribute, please turn in your Bibles, to your pew Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 31. It may be found on page 1219 of your pew Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 31, page 1219. However, before I read God's Word, let's call upon His Holy Spirit to open our hearts and our minds and our eyes to the reading and the preaching of His Holy Word. Please join me as you pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for this new day. We give you thanks, O Lord, for the gift of your Holy Spirit who inspired men to put pen to paper, men like the Apostle Paul, so that we might know more of who you are and who it is you're calling us to be. Oh God, we give you thanks for the gift of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray that by your spirit, you would guide us as we read your word. We pray, O oh Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts might be acceptable in your holy sight. Through your son's precious name, we pray, and all God's people said, amen. First Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 1, listen to the word of the Lord. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers... I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of the one Spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member... Where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. 
The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you still a more excellent way. Here ends the reading of God's word. As the prophet Isaiah tells us, the grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our Lord stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now concerning spiritual gifts. As we talked about last Sunday, in Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, he is responding to questions that have been asked of him. Uh, Last Sunday, we talked about the fact that they asked him about meat that has been sacrificed to idols, whether or not it's okay to eat such meat. And in 1 Corinthians 8, he replies, well, it depends. And then in 1 Corinthians 9, he begins to lay out why he does what he does. Specifically, he begins to tell them how in order to reach all people, he seeks to become all things to all men. So when he's with the Jews, he acts like a Jew to reach the Jews. And when he's with the Greeks, he, or Gentiles, he acts like a Gentile to reach the Gentiles. The Apostle Paul dies to his own personal preference and seeks to adapt himself to minister to those he's trying to reach, all for the sake of the gospel. Well, the Corinthians, as you continue to read the letter, you'll find that he was also asked about spiritual gifts. If you read all of 1 Corinthians, you'll see that the church in Corinth was struggling with the fact that many people had the gift of tongues And they were disrupting worship by speaking in tongues without someone to interpret. And so he was asked, what are we to do about these people who speak in tongues? Well, as we read 1 Corinthians 12 this morning, we can see that Paul lets us know that we all have different spiritual gifts. Not everyone has the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues. And that we as the body of Christ need to mobilize as many people as possible in the church, the body of Christ if the church is going to be all that it was designed to do and to be. As he says in verse 21 of our text this morning, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. All of us within the body of Christ, we all need each other, don't we? Three months ago, I was, during my sabbatical, was invited to go back to First Press Houston to do a funeral there. From 2003 to 2006, I was the singles and college uh, pastor at First Presbyterian Church of Houston. And by God's grace, while I was there, there was a, a young uh, 20s group cl- Sunday school class that we launched. And initially, we only had six people. But then by God's grace, it exploded. And we had over 50 people every Sunday in this vibrant, dynamic Sunday school where young people were committing to Christ, to commit to serve Christ and, and mission and, and service to the Lord. And one of my principal Sunday school uh, teachers in that class was a guy named Mark. And everybody loved Mark. Mark was a a great guy. He had gifts of knowledge and teaching. He was one of the best Sunday school teachers we had. In fact, his handouts were legendary. 
Well, everyone loved Mark, and they loved uh, what Mark did for the body and, and with his, exercising his spiritual gifts of knowledge and teaching. And I actually used to meet with Mark every other week to talk to him about his life and how the class was going. As one of my lead teachers, I wanted to make sure that he was being encouraged in his faith as well, and not simply giving all the time, but he was also receiving encouragement. And when I knew Mark, he was actually underemployed. He had graduated from A&M with an uh, MBA in a, in a mar- and with a focus on marketing. And he initially, right out of college, had, uh, out of graduate school, had been hired by a law firm in uh, Houston. But then after working there for several months, uh, that law firm, because of the economy, had to make some cuts. And so he lost his job because he was kind of one of the first guys on and had first ones to leave. And so he was actually working two part-time time jobs to make ends meet. Uh, he was a photographer part-time. He had a, kind of a hobby with photography. And he would do weddings and uh, do other special photographer people. And then he was also working at Benji's, which is a restaurant in West University. It's a very good restaurant there. And he was working as a bartender and a, and a waiter. And so when I knew Mark, he, he was always a little bit depressed because finances were so tight. And, well, wouldn't you be depressed after going to grad school and getting a, a master's in, in business administration, getting an initial job, and then being laid off a few months later and having to work two part-time jobs to, to make ends meet? And so I knew Mark was a little depressed when I knew him, but, but I always thought that that was sort of circum, uh, related to his circumstances. And I used to pray every time I met with Mark, I would pray that God would lead him to find the right position. Well, right before I left... Uh, Houston, Mark was hired by another law firm in town, and, and he had got a great job to, with full benefits, and, and he was so excited, and he was able to get out of debt. And the last time I saw Mark, he was in Dallas. He had contacted me and said, hey, I'm in town. Can we get together? We went to dinner, had a great time at Chewy's and Knox Henderson, and wonderful conversation. And I could just see God was blessing his life. He had started dating a new girlfriend, and, and things seemed to be good for Mark that day. Well, unfortunately, life happened to Mark. Uh, His long-term dating relationship ended. He lost his job. And in the midst of those relationships, in the midst of that work, he had gotten disconnected from the body of Christ. And rather than re-engaging with the body of Christ, the church, First Press Houston, where a myriad of people loved Mark and and wanted to help Mark, he withdrew and decided he was going to try and take care of things himself. And sadly, in the midst of his depression all alone. Satan took advantage of that opportunity and filled Mark's mind with every kind of lie possible, every negative thought he could have. And I was called to do Mark's funeral because Mark had chosen to drive all the way from Houston to San Francisco to jump off the Golden Gate Bridge. We need each other. We were not created to struggle alone. In this world, we will have trouble. Jesus tells us that in the Gospel of John. But when we go through those hard times, we are not meant to be alone. In fact, if we'll look at Genesis chapter 1, we'll see that we were created in the very image of God. If we'll take just a moment to think about what that means to be created in the very image of God, we know that we are communal beings created for community because our God and His very essence is a divine community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A community that's so intimate that the three are actually one together. Yes, we are communal creatures created in the image of God to be in community. And life will happen. Suffering will come. But we were not created to suffer alone. Are you connected? Are you in a Sunday school class? Or a Wednesday night group? Or a midweek Bible study? Or a triad? Have you found a place of connection? Here is a part of First Presbyterian Church. 
Are you in a place where, where, where you can go every week and, and people know you and you really know them? Just to get an idea of where we are as a church, raise your hand if you are in a Sunday school class, small group, Bible study, triad, midweek. Anybody? Raise your hand. Praise the Lord. Man, I'm preaching to the choir today. That's awesome. Now, you know from our church brochure that there's wonderful ways to connect. In fact, we've got these great Sunday school classes. And one of the easiest ways to connect next, the next step from worship, is to go to Sunday school. We've got some great classes you can see here in your, your trifold. We've got the Kaleidoscope class taught by Dave and Mullen, who's right up here in the front, and Jay O'Brien. We've got Design for Living, a class that's been meeting for a really long time, taught by Bob Sanders, Jerry Shelby, and Tom Thatcher. We've got the Seekers class taught by Vicki Butterfield, who just shared, as well as Bruce Doss. Bruce, who's been uh, discipling uh, young college students uh, through the Navigator ministry for a long time. We've got the family and adult ministry, which is kind of the, the old run class up on the third floor, uh, taught by Dr. Alan Keister and Darren Murphy and Stuart Smith. We've got the gap group with all, for all our young adults, young singles. We've got the new Old Testament survey class, uh, taught by Bob Houchin and Kathy Jones. We've got the young couples class, Will and Anna Esler. It's a kind of young couples class. The folks are not just starting to have babies, aren't, you know, the families aren't grown yet. They're just starting to get into that stage of life. And it's in room 207, a new class that's starting. We've got a brand new class. Uh, called Cornerstone by Greg and Karen Jordan, which is kind of the boomer class, kind of the empty nester class, which is just getting going here. And we've got a women's Bible study. If you just want to study the Bible and be in a same gender group, we've got a women's group led by Sherry Lovato in 204. And Murray leads a men's Bible study in the conference room right next to my office. The easiest next step, if you're not connected, is to go to Sunday school. But you know who needs Sunday school more than anyone in our church? Our children. Our children need Sunday school. Every week, my kids know that I'm going to ask them after the service, what, did you, what was the sermon about? They do a pretty good job now of kind of giving me a one-minute, two-minute sum- summary of what happened in the, the sermon. But when I ask them what Sunday school was about, oh, my goodness, I get five or seven minutes of an explanation of what Sunday school was about. They love Sunday school because it's curriculum geared towards them. It allows them to connect at their level what God is saying in His Word. As I shared earlier, I was a business finance major at Trinity University, and when I went off to seminary, I was 26 years old, and when I was at Princeton Seminary, I had several people uh, ask me, how is it, Howard, that you know the Bible so well? And I said, well, you know what? I didn't major in religion, but I got 26 years of Sunday school. If you want your kids to know the Bible, more importantly, if you want your kids to know what the Bible has to say about who God is and who God's calling them to be, we need to take them to Sunday school, because it's in Sunday school that they get to hear God's Word taught at their level. As you know from Proverbs 22, verse 6, we want to train up a child in the way he or she should go so when they're older, they'll not soon part from it. And I'm real excited about what's happened over at A&O Youth. They're starting kind of a new format for Sunday school. They're going to have uh, tables and for small group discussion, and there's going to be, they need an adult leader at every table. And if you'd like to volunteer to help lead the youth Sunday school class and be an adult table leader, man, please uh, talk to Stuart, uh, or you can uh, get online and and, uh, register that you'd like to be a part of that as well. If we want to be all that God designed us to be, we need to connect to the body of Christ. And we need to clarify what our spiritual gifts are. Now, if you read 1 Corinthians, uh, you can see that that there's a list of spiritual gifts that the Apostle Paul provides. And he makes it real clear that not everybody has the same gifts. In fact, in verse 29 and verse 30, he offers this rhetorical question. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? The answer is no. We all have different gifts. 
Just like the body has different members that have a different function, a different purpose for the greater good. Do you know what your spiritual gift is today? We actually have a survey online that you can take. You can go online to our webpage and you can go. In fact, we're going to flash that movie, I think. We're going to show you how to get online. That's the front page of our webpage. And then it flashes and eventually you can go to serve or get involved. Want to serve that? If you hit that want to serve, it'll click it too. Going to serving, you can see there's a place to register your name. But as you scroll further down, you can say, where can I get my gifts? And you can take a spiritual gift survey that you'll have to print out. But then as you print that out, uh, you can fill it out, and then you'll discover what your spiritual gifts are. Now, I'm here today because I took a spiritual gift survey in 1997. You see, when you join Highland Park Presbyterian Church uh, in Dallas, you have to take a spiritual gift survey, and you fill it out, and then you turn in your, the results of the survey. You can't fail the test. Everyone's got something. And <laughs> you turn it in, and they ask you, what's your favorite uh, demographic? What group would you like to help with? And so since I had just come out of college, it was 97, I, I filled out the survey, and teaching and preaching and knowledge came up as the top three. And so I put down, well, I'd like to help with college students. And so the college director from Highland Park called me and said, you know, I've been praying for a male lay leader to rise up who might be able to teach a Bible study called Disciple. It's from Methodist Bible study where you read 70% of the Bible in 32 weeks. Would you be willing to teach this? I said, sure. And so we had 13 college students who signed up to be a part of that. And and I was just trying to exercise my gift. And I I was kind of surprised that teaching came up so high because I hadn't done a lot of teaching. I mean, I did a little Bible study, a couple Bible studies in, in college, but that really wasn't something I'd done a lot. But here I'm leading this Bible study, and as I'm leading this Bible study, then I'm being invited to speak at the college student retreat. I'm being asked to speak at the youth senior high high school retreat. I'm being asked to speak at the singles retreat. And I'm realizing that God has given me a gift for ministry. I'm asking to lead, to lead a Bible study with the singles. And as you exercise your gift, other members of the body of Christ are going to recognize that you have a gift in this area. They're going to begin to ask you, could you help lead in this area? Could you use your gift to help build up the body of Christ? And we do it. Because of what Jesus did for us. Because of what God has given us in His Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. In gratitude for what God has done for us, we we naturally want to exercise the gifts that God has given to us. As parents or grandparents, if you ever give a kid a gift and they don't use it, there's great disappointment. But if you give them a gift and they begin to use it and play with it, you go, oh, that's great. brings joy. Because of what God has done for me, I, I, I want to exercise the gift the best I can. Well, as I'm exercising the, these gifts and trying to use these gifts in ministry, my singles uh, pastor called me and said, hey, Howard, uh, I want to take you to lunch. I want to talk to you about something. I said, sure. And I'm thinking he wants to ask me to speak again or do some kind of retreat. <clears throat> and he said, Howard, I know that you've taken the LSAT and I had and I was going to go to law school. I know you're planning on going to law school, but man, you have a real gift for teaching and preaching. Have you thought about going to the ministry? I thought about that. I said, well, you know, when I was a senior in high school, I drew the short straw and had to preach Senior Sunday. And people ask me, have you ever thought about preaching? I said, no, nah, I don't want to do that. I'm going to finance the gospel. I majored in finance, economics. You know, I'm going to fund the gospel. But he said, I, want you, I just want you to pray about it and just see what God might tell you to do. And so I said, all right, that can't hurt, right? So the very next morning I'm praying. I'm preparing my Bible study for the college group, 1 Corinthians. I'm going through 1 Corinthians. I've read it many times before. And when I said, God, if you want me to be a preacher, give me a sign. Otherwise, I'm headed to law school. You ask God to do something, sometimes he shows up in a big way. As I was reading 1 Corinthians, I read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16, where the Apostle Paul says, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. 
God, if you want me to preach the gospel, you give me a sign. Otherwise, I'm going to look dead gum. First Corinthians 9, verse, I could have read Titus. They talk about a lawyer back there. Didn't read that. So I applied to seminary, and I kind of threw out Gideon's fleece again. I said, okay, God, if you want me to go to seminary, I'm, I want to go to Princeton Seminary, because in my mind, that was the best Presbyterian seminary in the country. If you get me into Princeton, I'll go. Otherwise, forget about it. Well, God went up me. He not only got me in, he got me a full scholarship. When God gifts you, he wants you to use your gifts so that you might build up the body for the common good. Do you know what your gifts are today? Do you know how you might use your gifts for the common good? For as you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Our spiritual gifts are meant to be used not for our own benefit, they're meant to be used for the body of Christ, to build up his body. Now, in 1 Corinthians 12, he offers a list, a short list of spiritual gifts. You can find further gifts uh, in, in, uh, in uh, Romans as well. But in 8 and 11, he says, To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, and to, uh, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. All of us have different gifts, different abilities that God has given us for the work of his kingdom. Are you using your gifts today? Are you serving in some capacity within our congregation today? Yeah, we've got to connect and then we've got to clarify what our gifts are. And then we need to seek to use those gifts to contribute to the body of Christ here at First Press. Are you serving on a committee or are you serving on a ministry team to help set the direction for the ministries of this church? Are you serving as an usher or maybe on our 1105 greeting team? Are, are you serving in uh, some capacity with our choir? Maybe you're singing or if you're not, you'd like to sing. They've got a sign-up sheet in the Great Hall. You can sing in the choir or be a part of our Y'all, gospel, y'all Come Sing gospel choir that sings at 8.30. Just show up at 8 and come sing. Or if you'd like to be involved with the 1105 band, you can talk to Dusty after the service. Or are your children in the choir or are you handbells choir? There's so many different ways God gifts us to do the work of his kingdom. If our church is going to be all that it was designed to be, we've all got to be mobilized and using our gifts today. Real quick, if you are serving on some kind of committee or team, or maybe you're an elder or a deacon, if you're serving in some capacity in this church, and that's real clear, could you just stand up just for a second? Just for a second. Can we just thank God for you today? Thank God. Now hopefully you noticed those who stood up. And maybe after the service, you can say, hey, what are you involved with? And, and how might I get involved? Or, or you can tell your story. But today, I want us to hear from one of our mo- more active members about how she got involved. She spent most of her adult life in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and uh, then moved here from California. And Diane Baker is going to share with us how God uh, allowed her to get plugged in and how she's been able to use her gifts in ministry to the glory of his name. Thank you, Diane. selected to live near my family with four grandchildren because I didn't want to miss their growing up. It's been a great, great, great journey. After I had arrived, Karen suggested I join Murray's Inquires class. After um, that, I became a member of a wonderful church family that stressed being involved. I started out as a Sunday greeter, a great way to meet people. 
Then Paul encouraged me to join the communion preparation team. Now these were the days of the 43 crackers presented within a circle. I know a lot of you, I see a lot of smiles. A lot of you uh, did that with me for about three years. Um, Since I was new to the community, I did feel a need to be involved. I worked so many years that I missed my routine and challenges. That's where your gifts kind of really come in. I joined the women's division. It was very exciting to be a part of their growth. We sponsored retreats for women. We planned social events that would bring them together. The gala dinner, playing games, bridge, canasta. We had book clubs, sewing circles, and my favorite, the exercise class, which is still going Monday through Friday, 8.30 to 9.30. Join us. We welcome newcomers to all these groups. I've served on the finance committee, the connection team, the personnel committee, the placement committee, the communications team, as well as the connection. And I spent a term on the Presbyterian Children's Home Board of Directors, a very rewarding experience, which enabled me to use my marketing skills. And that was one of the best involvements I have had, other than my favorite, which has been a church elder. I learned so much about First Pres, how we participate, how we initiate programs, but most of all, how passionate we are about our beliefs, the power of Jesus, the Bible, and together with our power of prayer. We are so fortunate to have the leadership and support and staff to guide us each day. No job is too small or too big. It's all about what you make of it. I came here 10 years ago a stranger. Today I know hundreds of people of all ages that I call friends. I've had the opportunity to know you by being involved in all this wonderful church family work. I hope you'll take the opportunity to get involved, volunteer, and we will utilize all of your talents, we promise. Thank you. Thank you, Diane. Now, maybe you're like Diane, not many people are, but maybe you have already, maybe you're already connected and, and you've clarified what your spiritual gifts are and you're contributing to the body of Christ. Well, who do you know who isn't? Who do you know in this church who is not yet connected in a small group or, or contributing their gifts in ministry? Or who do you know in this community who's not yet connected to the body of Christ? It's our job to invite them to join us as we seek to do the work of God's kingdom. For as we see from the scriptures, if the body of Christ, the church, is going to be all that it was designed to be, we're going to need every member of the body doing its part to the glory of God. Please join me as you pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for the gifts you've given us. We give you thanks for the great gift of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and life. Lord, in gratitude for all that you've done for us, Lord, we thank you for the gifts of spiritual gifts that each one of us have. We pray that we might seek to use those gifts to do the work of your kingdom, that we might use those gifts to help contribute to the common good, to help build up the body of Christ here on this earth. And God, we lift up those who maybe aren't here this morning that we know in our church who are not connected, who don't know their gifts, who aren't contributing according to your word. So God, I pray that you would help us to reach out to them, to let them know that they're loved and they have something that this body needs. I also pray, Lord, for those in our community who are not connected to the body, who, who may 
claim the name of Christ but aren't currently going to church, that we might be bold in asking them and inviting them to join us here so they might connect, so they might clarify their giftings, and they might contribute to the work of your kingdom, your kingdom which makes an eternal difference in the lives of so many here on this earth. Oh God, we thank you for your your love, and we thank you for the time that we have to connect today. We pray that you'd bless our connection with you and with each other, and that each one of us could find a place to serve to the glory of your name. We pray this in the strong and precious name of your Son, who is the Christ, and all God's people said, Amen.